You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. All right. Let, we better turn to the Lord's God's Word real quick. Let's skip the first slide, go right to Ephesians chapter 1. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. This is so important. It says, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us and he had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. That last little phrase is going to encapsulate today's message as well, the purpose of why we're here, what we're doing on this planet. We've been talking about our time. We've been talking about our talents. We're built to thrive. Uh, we've, we've talked that last week we cracked the, the, the door open after six weeks, by the way, to talk about our treasure. And so we've looked at each of these. Uh, today uh, we're going to continue to talk about treasure. But when I think about treasure, talking about money. Last week, we had some disclaimers. You can go back and uh, look at those uh, online if you want to catch last week if you weren't here. Uh, But this stewardship series, it has to be rooted in God's Word. Can I get an amen? And the Bible talks a lot about money and, and about possessions. And But sometimes, even though the Word of God talks a whole lot about it, uh, money and treasure is a topic that's easily, uh, uh, that we can just avoid for a variety of reasons. Sometimes there's shame around uh, money and possessions or guilt. Uh, there can be a lack of knowledge. Uh, maybe you just don't feel equipped or uh, maybe it's just a private thing for you and you don't want to talk about it. But again, Scripture speaks a lot about it. And this is the second week we're going to talk about treasure, talk about our money, uh, but don't worry, we're not taking a special offering today. You with me? All right, good, good. But I do need, there is a need that did come up, um, and I'm just curious, is, is there anyone that has a $100 bill? Uh, someone um, needs that, and, uh, and uh, I'm just curious, you got a $100, $100 bill? Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, you got a $100 bill? Oh, it's in your hat? <laughs> For real? I got to hide it from my wife. Uh, okay, all right. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. You kind of remind me of my grandpa. He used to call it rat money. Um, and so uh, thank you. Uh, that'll go to good use. Um, that's good. Anyway, uh, let's talk about it. Where is the first thing, or what is the first thing we should do with our money? Last week, we talked about the principle that's seen in the Old Testament law. We see it pre-law, 400 years before the law even existed. And even in the New Testament, Jesus talked about tithing. Everyone say tithing. This is what we talked about last week, our vertical relationship with God, right? We want to honor God first with our 
money. And we talk about storehouse giving. We bring it to the place where you are growing, where you're learning, and where you're getting closer to Jesus. And remember, God does not need our money, but we need God to help us. Can I get an amen to that? And so tithing, it's an easy calculation, 10%. And I was thinking about this this week. I've never heard anybody talk about this, but aren't you glad that it's 10% and not like 12.625% or something like that? 10% is easy, right? You can do it in your head. It's an easy calculation. And after the 10%, the rest, the 90% is redeemed. And there's a spiritual reality, a supernatural principle that when we tithe 10% back to the Lord, that 90% actually becomes greater than 100%. It's hard to believe but it's absolutely true. And today, we're going to move away from the tithe, and we're going to talk about the 90%. After you're committed to tithe, you might think to yourself, well, I'm good. The pressure's off, right? I can do whatever I want with the rest of my possessions or the rest of my money. The 90%, right? It doesn't really matter. I can spend it. I can save it. I could give it however I want. Is that true? Hmm. Built to Thrive starts with tithing, but tithing is the starting point. Actually, I would say it's not stealing. Remember last week we talked about, will a man rob God? But what do we do with the rest, that 90%, with the rest of our treasure, the treasure, the 90%? Today is a continuation of last week's message on stewardship. We're going to look at a few different key topics, multiplication, being fruitful. We're going to talk about selfishness, generosity, contentment, uh, our heart contentment, and then we're going to end the day with gratitude, and that's where we're headed. But the goal in this series, the goal with our money, with our possessions, is that each of us would become godly stewards of the things that God has given us with our money. Uh, in particular for today. See, generosity starts with our tithes, resulting in an open-hand situation. This is the picture the Lord gave me for this series, this entire series, Built to Thrive. This is what it looks like, that we're open. We can receive, but we can also give. We're not holding on. Uh, One pastor was talking about uh, this idea of of, uh, being of control, that when we submit something to God, when we release it, Uh, what happens, immediately we're freed from that when we give it to the Lord. But when we hold on to anything for ourselves, we immediately become enslaved by it. And so we got to be careful. And with our treasure, whether it's our money or our cars or our boats or our toys or our bank or our 401Ks or our investments, our tools, our house full of stuff, our guns, I know we got some gun people here, uh, or our clothes, or our homes, or everything. Listen, everything is the Lord's. All of our resources belongs to God. And again, that's a radical concept that doesn't make sense in the natural because we think even the word possessions, it, it says you know, we possess, we own, but we don't. 
And so built to thrive is this idea of abundant living, right? To experience abundance, joy, peace, being blessed, being fulfilled. And I believe that in regards to our money, there's this invitation to an adventure of a lifetime with our treasure. And again, the goal is to be a godly steward. And so let's turn to Scripture for our encouragement today. In Matthew chapter 25, Pastor Bobby talked about uh, this passage from Matthew 25. Uh, It's a story of the parable of three servants. There's a a master that goes away, and uh, I want you to put yourself into the story. If you've heard the story, we're going to talk about pieces of it. In verse 14, it starts, it says that again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and here's the key, he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. If you know the story, he gives to one servant five bags of silver, to another two bags of silver, and then the third he gives one bag of silver. It says according to their abilities. In that little phrase there is what Pastor Bobby talked about a couple weeks ago in regards to our talents, that God has given each of us talents and abilities, right? But I'm curious, what would you have done if you were one of those servants, Would you have invested it? Would you have got the money to work? Or would you have been the person that went and dug a hole in the ground? Well, the story progresses. The master comes back, and there's an accounting. He wants to know what each of the servants had accomplished with the treasure, with the money that had been entrusted to them. And by the way, I think we will all be held accountable for our treasure, for the things that go through our lives. Matthew 25, verse 23 says, the master says, well done. Verse 23, my good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with handling small amounts, so I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He's talking to the one that gave, that turned five bags of silver into 10, and the one that turned two into four. And then he turns to the one, the one, he calls him a wicked and lazy servant, the one that went and just buried the treasure in the ground. And at the end of the parable, uh, verse 29, it says, To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, that's key, even what little they have will be taken away. It's interesting. Those who do nothing. That one servant who got the one bag of silver, he was full of fear and crippled. He went and buried the treasure. And I was thinking, what would have happened? We don't know this in the story, but we can look at other places in Scripture to kind of get a picture. What would have happened if the servant with the one bag had invested and lost that one bag of silver and had nothing to show. Would that have been better than to have the one bag buried in the ground? It's an interesting thought. Recently, I've invested in something that has been, it's kind of got my mind spinning. 
Um, as you guys know, I've shared openly, I will buy and sell things for missions and do different things. Well, we were on vacation uh, at, right at New Year's, right? And um, I, uh, we went to a, a sporting goods store, Dick's Sporting Goods, like an outlet, at like a, what was, it was like a factory warehouse. It was like the, you know, they, like the things before they ship it to Africa for free. They're, you know, selling things dirt cheap. And, um, and there they had uh, a whole bin of these stance socks. They're all the same size, size large, um, and they retail for $14.99. And I'd heard of stance socks, and my son Logan had worn those. These were MBA edition. And so I bought the whole bin, 23 of these, and thinking, all right, I'm going to turn these for a profit. And, uh, and uh, you know, give the rest to missions. And I've done that on lots of different things. Could tell you a lot of stories there. And these silly socks, I've got them listed on Facebook Marketplace. I've got them listed on eBay, just like I do all my other things. And I, for a couple months now, have had zero interest. Not one inquiry, not one pair has sold. I have every single pair here. And I'm thinking to myself, I really blew it with these socks, and uh, I, I think I got them at a good deal. You make your money when you buy, but I can't sell these socks to save my life. And even if these socks disappeared and I lost my investment, I wonder, would God have been more pleased that I tried than if I just buried my treasure? I don't know. See, I think this topic about treasure and even what Matthew 25 is trying to get at, it's about obedience. It's not about performance. The goal is not the amount of return. The goal is an obedient heart in regards to our treasure. And let's just face it, we're going to win some and we're going to lose some. And apparently I've lost a whole bag full of uh, Stan socks. If anyone has an idea of how we can sell these things for profit, or if someone just needs some socks, you know, come and talk to me. I'm more than help, happy to be a blessing. See, there's a principle in Scripture, and it's not just in Matthew 25. It's seen from the very beginning. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. The creation story, right? And in verses 27 through 30, there's this little part that Adam and Eve, after they've been created, they are encouraged to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. This is not a new idea for the New Testament. This is not a new idea today. We are called to be fruitful and to multiply. A biblical perspective on treasure is that godly stewards multiply what God has given them. We are temporary owners at best, stewards, not permanent, but we're called to multiply. There's another story in regards to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. It's, a, it's a, the quintessential uh, teaching on money and possession. Verse 19, it says this. It says, do not store up treasures on earth where, moth and, uh, where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. We looked at that verse last week. 
It's about your heart condition. And what, it's that obedient heart. Uh, if you skip down to verse 24, it might be the next slide. It says, no one can serve two masters. Interesting. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then I've got this underlined in my notes. You should underline it in your scripture. It says, you cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. That little phrase, enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and money, it says in the NIV. And that word money or that enslaved to money, that word is an unusual word. It might be new to some of you. Um, It's certainly not a word that we use very often, but the word is mammon. And there's a spirit of mammon that is described here that being enslaved to money. Mammon in the Aramaic means riches. And mammon is a spirit, so to speak, that can rest on money. Money is neutral, it has, but you, there's a, a spirit or a, a thought process that can be uh, around it that we have to be careful. Mammon wants to rule. The, the right? It looks for servants. It's seeking worshipers. It promises you everything and delivers nothing. Mammon. One pastor said it this way, mammon promises us the things that only God can give. It promises us security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that money is the answer to every situation, which of course we know is not true. Mammon is the direct opposition to the Spirit of God, which we want in our lives. And Jesus uses this word mammon a few times in the New Testament. And apparently, it's possible to serve mammon instead of serving God. It actually goes further. Jesus says it's impossible to serve both at the same time. You'll love one and hate the other. There's no half and half, no middle ground. Now, some of you might think, well, then we just need to get rid of all money. Money must be bad. Well, and some people will think, oh, money's evil. The Bible says it. No. What the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10 is that the love of money, which would be incorporated in that mammon idea, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered off from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. We are not to hate money. No. We should hate the idea of loving money, mammon, being greedy, lying, deceiving. And let's just be honest, our selfish nature that can be attached to money. We must be aware of the attitudes we have towards our treasure right? Our attitudes here will expose our heart, the true nature, our selfishness. And I want to just be real clear. I am, I struggle in this area. Last week, I talked about Jolly Ranchers. And by the way, you're welcome. I bought six pounds of Jolly Ranchers. I thought that'd be enough for both weeks. 
you guys are ravenous. You must love those Jolly Ranchers. There was not a Jolly Rancher left in sight. Uh, and I talked about how I was buying and selling Jolly Ranchers in junior high. And then I told you about my first business that I created, my little lawn business, and, and told you about those things. But uh, there's a backstory to that. I had been teased as a kid about the shoes that I wore to basketball practice. And there was something that clicked in my head that I told myself I would never be teased about my shoes ever again. And I started to work and started to be selfish. And I was, I was always going after stuff and materialism. And, I, and, and still by nature today, Jessica could attest to it, I am very selfish. I can be proud around the topic of money. I have to be careful. I do want to say, by the way, uh, my parents were not this way at all. It's not like I just picked that up from them. Uh, it's something that clicked inside of me, and, uh, and it's something I struggle with with selfishness. I have learned, though, that with selfishness, there's an antidote. I've learned that the antidote to selfishness is giving, understanding that everything is the Lord's. The antidote to selfishness is generosity. This picture, open hands, saying, God, if you can get it to me, you can get it through me. I'm not going to hold on to stuff. It's all yours. Open hands. Godly stewardship with our treasure. There's another story, Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 34. It's an interesting story to be talking about money, but it's the story where Jesus comes into town, the triumphal entry, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks before Easter. Verse 28, it says, after telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, and he came to the towns of Bethsaphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead. Going into that village over there, he told them, as you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, say it with me, the Lord needs it. So they went and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? And the disciples simply replied, say it with me, the Lord needs it. Say that one more time with me. The Lord needs it. It was a response by faith with the stuff that this owner of the donkey had. That owner was open-handed. And there's some thoughts about that that are important. That was a significant asset in that day and time. And for someone just to take it, there was a lot of faith around that. When I see a little phrase like the Lord needs it, uh, and where kind of the Spirit is like revealing and like, wow, this is interesting, um, I add little phrases like that 
to my prayer journal. I create one of these the last several years, and they become a treasure. Um, but I've got uh, different pages in here for each of the staff members, each of my family members, uh, about leadership, about prayer, about spiritual growth. Uh, but I've got a page about finances. And on that, uh, just to give you an example, um, I've, I've got there a miracle year, 2024. I'm believing that. And that's a little phrase that God put on my heart. Um, another one, uh, we move at the speed of cash, and uh, uh, that's good. At the Gateway Church, there's no lack or no delay. And recently, I added, the Lord needs it. Another page here, I've got a page about giving, and this is for me and Jessica, our giving. And uh, again, there's, there's an idea that has been dropped in my head or dropped in my spirit now for a while, um, and I've put this the last three years. It's the idea that I can be generous on every occasion. It's a mindset. I want to be that type of person. I want you to be that type of person, not for my benefit, but for your benefit, that we can be generous on every occasion. I can be generous. Was anyone curious about that $100 bill? Thanks, by the way, Ben, for helping me out. I didn't know that Ben was the one who would give the $100 bill, but we needed this because I took it out of our purse, out of my wife's purse this morning, and uh, that's Jessica's. <laughs> You're lucky you gave that back. That's her grocery money. But I wanted you to see that when I asked for the need, uh, Ben came quickly. It wasn't his in the first place. He was, Pastor Sean kind of set up the situation. There was no grief, no remorse, I assume, in you giving that. No emotional conflict because it wasn't his in the first place. You guys tracking with me? And this, that idea is true with everything we have in this life. All of our treasure. It's all God's. And we are called to just be stewards of that. And so I've got a little theory that if I have a generous thought, going back to I can be generous on every occasion, right? I have a theory that the enemy does not want me to be generous. Would you agree? Because it's going to bring glory to God. So the thought could be mine, and I know for certain that I have made mistakes and it's just been my idea to give or to do something uh, outrageous, least generous, but it's definitely not from Satan. And so my MO, so to speak, and for Jessica and for me, is we give when we feel led to do so. We can be generous on every occasion. And let me just say, generosity, it's the best way to live. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? You've heard that. Why is that? It's because you have something to give, right? And I'll just say this, giving changes the atmosphere in the church. It sets people free from their addiction of stuff. And it keeps God in the mix of all their treasure, of all that they own, or the, all that they have to steward. So, let me ask a question. Why should we 
be generous. Does God bless us when we give? What do you think? Yes, right? That's the truth. Like seed time and harvest. It's a principle in God's word. But that promise is not to entice us to get more. It really should be to free us from the fear and grief that comes, that keeps so many believers bound. Money has a way to get a hold, that spirit of mammon, if we're not careful. So why should we be generous? We give out of a heart of gratitude. We're grateful. That's why we're generous. That's why we give. Tell you one more story, and then we'll wrap this up and talk about contentment at the end. But uh, Jessica, in regards to uh, generosity, there's this idea of gratitude. We were married young. I was 19 years old. Jessica was 20. Don't necessarily recommend that, but hey, it's worked out for us, and uh, we're grateful now that we're empty nesters. Uh, it's it's we're young. We're young, right? Maybe not so young as I think. But our first year married, this is a true story, our taxable income together was 12000 U.S. dollars. Yikes. We were living under the poverty level, even back in 1996, 97, 98. And uh, we, I was a student at Evangel University, studying to be a pastor, uh, all those things. And our last semester, uh, we were so grateful for the, a church family uh, in Springfield, Missouri. We ended up going to um, James River Assembly. It's a really uh, awesome church, great pastor. And we were able uh, to the first year to just kind of uh, do nothing and just grow as a couple. And then the second year, there were lots of ministry opportunities. We greeted every Wednesday night for the whole year. And on Sunday nights, we were working in kids' ministry with four-year-olds. We had a whole class just for four-year-olds. It was awesome on Sunday nights. Uh, but our last semester, James River, they, were, they pulled the trigger to build a new building. Uh, to, uh, they had a different set of property, and, uh, and it was a massive project. I don't remember how many millions of dollars. Uh, it, it was millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, uh, and so we're this young college student. I'm about to graduate, and we prayed, and we, we thought the Lord kind of put on our heart uh, a number to give, and it was going to be a stretch. We were like, ah, I don't know if we can do that before we graduate because uh, we're going to be moving. And uh, I, I can't remember the timing, if we had already uh, had a job lined up uh, in Dayton, Ohio or not. I, I don't remember. But it came down to it that we started giving towards this building project for this last semester. And we were about to graduate about a week or so out. And I'm like, we're not going to be able to fulfill this. We're going to have to do this after we move. It's just kind of the way it was. And lo and behold, we found out that we graduated where the school owed us money. That is like unheard of, right? We had paid all of our bills. We were, gonna, we were planning to uh, be debt-free, but I didn't know that we were paying our rent a month in advance, and we, they refunded us our final month, the last week that we were at the school. Now, 
It's the cheapest we've ever lived or ever will live. Combined, all utilities, trash, uh, cable, phone. They didn't have internet back then for everybody. That's how old we are. Oof. That hurts. That hurts. To $300, though, for all of that. <laughs> yeah. It was married housing at Evangel. I mean, it was 550 square feet, and the walls were so thin, you knew your neighbors when they were excited and having a good time, and when they were not having such a good time, it, like you heard it all. And, uh, uh, but anyway. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, we got a check back for $300, and that's exactly how much money we had left to help the church with their building project. Now, we were grateful for the church. The Lord put it on our heart to give. And we thought $500 or it might have been $1,000 that we decided to give. I can't remember. Uh, I remember how much we were short. Um, like it was going to be a drop in the bucket. But the Lord needed it. When I look back on the story, we needed to give. It was a short-term commitment. And again, we were filled with gratitude to be able to do that. See, gratitude, it's not this we give to get mentality. Being generous is not a get rich quick scheme. Actually, it's a lay down my life type of challenge every single day. More money is not the answer. God is the answer. It's like, what do you want me to do with the treasure that you've allowed me that you've entrusted in my care. Money is not the point. Matthew 6, 21, last week, we read it earlier today too, it's our heart to honor God. And that leads us to one more little idea that is probably the hardest to get our minds around, contentment. When we're grateful, hopefully it will lead to contentment. One of the Ten Commandments is not to covet our neighbor's stuff, right? And, uh, and so we have to be careful about coveting. But contentment is really tough. Being satisfied or just okay with the, the plot or the amount that we have. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. We, when we're content, it's like we are... Uh, we have more than what we even have. See, keeping up with the Joneses is a fool's game. The Joneses are broke. That's what Dave Ramsey says. And if you're not content today, you, are, you will not be content when your net worth is doubled or tripled or quadrupled. It's just this, the case. Contentment is an idea from Scripture, and it's not easy. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, If you are faithful with little things, you will be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest with little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So we're called to be faithful with even a little. And before you dismiss this message and think, Well, I've got so little, it doesn't even matter. No. You've got to be faithful with the little so God will multiply and entrust you with more. And back to our Matthew 6 verses there. 
In verse 31, at the end of the chapter, it says, so don't worry about these things, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And then in verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We are tested with this idea of stewarding our resources every single day. And if we are really going to be built to thrive, I just want to encourage you that as you are content grateful, you're dealing with your selfish nature, and you realize that there's this idea of being fruitful and multiply uh, from the very beginning, uh, you can trust God with whatever he tells you to release. And I will say that it's the most fun you will ever have with money is when you give it away. It's just the truth. I want to pray for us and uh, let God seal this. And then we have something that we want to not only preach this message, but we want to put into practice or we want to practice what we preach here at the Gateway Church. And we're going to do something that's going to hopefully be a blessing to each and every one of you. But let me pray. Lord, thank you for this message, for this time, for the light bulbs that are going on in regards to our stuff. Lord, it's all yours. Help us, Lord, to steward it well. And God, I pray that no matter where we are on the journey in with our time and our talent and our treasure, God, I pray that you would help us to be people that multiply. Lord, choose us to do a great work here on the lakeshore in the state of Michigan and to the ends of the earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do something, and uh, it's time. Uh, We've created a little uh, uh, sheet here that we want to practice what we preach. Uh, One of the things this year uh, in all of the reviews uh, coming into 2024 Uh, there was a thought that the Lord dropped in my heart for as we move forward that the key to us continuing to grow, continuing to uh, see God's favor upon us was for each of us to, uh, for everyone on staff to be equipping and empowering, delegating, releasing, um, and uh, just knowing that that is going to be key for us to, to continue to grow, all right? So, so and that, that was kind of as, it, as we were moving into the Built to Thrive, and we knew we were going to be doing a stewardship series, uh, we started with the staff saying, look, uh, for every single position, we need to be 
reproducing ourselves. We need to be pouring into others, and not only just pouring in, but we need to uh, help them to grow, and then to release them, and let them run with things. And, and so it's a big, big thought that we're working on as a team. And, but the truth is, is uh, as I've been working on this message series, is I have books and books and books uh, on the, the topics that we've been preaching. I mean, stacks and stacks. And I've realized that over time, I have been resourced, and, I'm, and we want to resource you as well. And so what we've done is we've taken some of the top books that we've used in this series uh, on time, talent, and treasure. And then there's a, a bonus book on the bottom called The Steward Leader that's Pastor Bobby's favorite leadership book of all times. That's uh, his disclaimer. I've used that book. I've read it, reread it, used it um, in this message series. Uh, But we want to be a blessing to you. And uh, we want to say, hey, which book would you read? Now, if you're not a reader, don't buy a book or don't uh, mark off a book. Uh, Be a good steward of our our stewardship. But if you're like, yeah, I would love to read. And so I want to just talk through these real quick, and then we're going to close and just say goodbye. Uh, On the time, the the number one book uh, in regards to this for me was The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It, that when we started talking about time and we, we did an introductory sermon, uh, sermon and then we did two weeks on time, uh, that book uh, by John Mark Comer is an incredible book. Uh, I'm telling you, it is worth the read. Uh, the tagline is how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. There's a section in this uh, uh, book that talks about um, our the way we uh, interact with technology and how fast the, the world is moving and uh, the encouragement is to slow down and uh, it's excellent. Uh, the other book on time that we used in the series is by Ruth uh, Haley Barton, Sacred Rhythms. And this is the updated a classic. Uh, what was the classic? Celebration of Discipline. Maybe you've heard of that from the 70s, 80s, Celebration of Discipline. It was a big book. I remember reading that in college. Uh, but this is the updated. We've actually done a class, uh, Sacred Rhythms, using Ruth uh, Haley Barton's material, but uh, spiritual practices that nourish your soul and transform your life. And we want to give you uh, one of those. If that, if, if you're in struggle with time, you're saying, man, I could use some extra resources or an extra boost of encouragement in that area, pick one of those books. The next area is talents, uh, the purpose-driven life. Uh, If you haven't read The Purpose-Driven Life, you should mark this one off. This, back in the early 90s or or late 90s, I can't remember, uh, when Rick Warren wrote this book, it was like, I think it sold more copies than any other book in history other than the Bible. Uh, I think that's true. Uh, I'm not sure. It could be wrong. But anyway, uh, it is incredible. I'm going through this book with a guy I'm mentoring right now. It's, it's, it's just classic. And um, there's, it's talking about your purpose in life overall, and it, it, it's incredible. There's a guy that works with him, Eric Rees, or at least did. Uh, there's a book called Shape and uh, Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose. So if you're like, man, I've got these talents, these abilities, uh, you know, but I don't know what to do. If you would want some encouragement in those areas, one of those books would be a great book for you to pick. And then Treasure. There's so many books here that I wanted to include. If you want to, uh, you know, talk books uh, around this topic, I've got lots of them, but I picked um, uh, Smart Money, Smart Kids. 
Um, that is a book by Dave Ramsey and his daughter. And we did a class on this several years ago, um, and I go back to it all the time. If you are raising kids and you want to help your kids be smart with money, talk about gratitude, talk about uh, indebtedness, talk about contentment. Uh, some of the thoughts today came from Smart Money, Smart Kids, and uh, excellent, excellent book. And then the other one uh, that I, I had to pick. There were so many, and, uh, and I, I wanted to add like 10 that you could pick from. But uh, the other one is called Giving It All Away and Getting It Back Again. And this is the story of the guy and his family that owns the Hobby Lobby. How many uh, heard of Hobby Lobby as a Christian organization? And their, it's their giving story, and it is incredible. It is, it's worth the read. It's, it's, the tagline is The Way of Living Generously, and uh, I would encourage you to read that. And then the last book I mentioned was A Steward Leader, Pastor Bobby's favorite book. It's not an easy read. Um, I, it was a little frustrating for me. Um, I, I'm not as smart as Pastor Bobby, but, um, uh, but I got through it, um, read it, reread it, used it, especially early on in the series, and it's been a blessing. And so this is what we want. You can interact with this and just... Choose a book, fold it, put it in any of the giving receptacles, and we're going to order some books this week and next week, and we'll have those in the first part of March to give away. Uh, we want to just be a blessing to you. We've never done anything like this before, and, uh, but we want to practice what we preach, especially around our treasure uh, and about our, re- our resources. We think that you are a good investment, and so every single person here, young and old, if you are here and you're watching online, there is a way to do it online. It's easy. You can just follow the cues there, or you can use the QR code and do it online. That's the, the way to get there, uh, but we just want to empower you. We want to release in you, uh, to encourage you in regards to your time, talent, and treasure. You say, well, is this the end of the series? No. Starting, uh, well, next week is missions, but then after that, we're going to take the month of March, and we're going to look at stewarding our relationships. We're going to talk a a week on forgiveness. It's going to be incredible uh, about how we are called to steward. It's a follow-up from the relationships. We're going to talk about stewarding our words. And we're going to talk about holiness and spirit, uh, Holy Spirit uh, being holy. Like, how do we steward the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and so that's kind of where we're headed in the month of March. And so we're going to take a pause here. We're going to move away from time, talent, and treasure at this point. Um, but, it, but we want to empower you in these areas. All right? And so that's it. Let's stand. And uh, we want to pray. Um, and I know uh, today um, we... I've gone a little longer, um, but um, we, we love you. And I hope and pray that this series is continuing to add value into your life wherever you are. And hopefully this will be a blessing as well. Pick a book, and uh, we'll order that and get that for you over the next couple weeks. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here at the Gateway Church. You are so good. Lord, I pray that we, as your people, would get our minds around the idea of stewarding our time, our talent, our treasure. And I pray that it would make a significant difference. We pray this in Jesus' name. And now, as we go, I pray that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
And all God's people said, amen and amen. We love you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.